0: You go to any of my jobs, there's a little broom or a paintbrush, because I'm kind of cheap like that. I'll buy those big paintbrushes for a dollar and stick in it. But they sweep their cabs out two or three times a day. They clean their windows. We check all the fluids. We tighten tracks. We dig out tracks. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times we don't. But if it's a rain day, if there's an opportunity, we're in them damn shops working. And it's a good day for everybody to bond. You know, you get 20, 30 people in a shop working. They're all bonding and learning from each other.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Con Expo Con Egg podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at Komatsu. Always appreciate them. With me today, I have somebody when I was scrolling on TikTok and I was like, hey, this guy looks like a, a guy that I need to talk to. Uh, we have the one and only. I mean, and this name is incredible, such a cowboy name. Trey Bohannon. He likes being called Bo, but Trey Bo Dirt on TikTok and I mean anywhere else where he's going to be start posting. But uh, Trey, thanks for being on today, man. Oh, you, Thank you for inviting invite. Pretty cool to get to do something like this. Yeah, man, 100%. And you know what's awesome? So to, for the viewers at home, and I, you know, I was kind of chatting with you last night, where I kind of found you was I was scrolling through TikTok. You know, I, I have two kids, so whenever I get a little time to myself at nighttime, I find myself, okay, just before bed, you're, you're looking, catching up on the world. And I saw Trebo Dirt, and you had the Con Expo hat on, oh, right. or Con Expo yeah. hat. And I'm like, I'm always looking to, you know, interview interesting people. And I'm like, the way that you're talking, and and just the way you carried yourself, and I was like, I got to get this guy on. So tell <laughs> us a little bit about yourself. Like, who is, you know, Trebo Dirt? Uh, what do you do? And yeah, start with that. Uh, so I uh, started this business as a kid and I uh,
0: started mowing yards. That led into doing some residential landscaping. And then it's just time progressed. Things progressed, you know, and I uh, next thing I know, I got more <laughs> sitting around the shop and I can shake stick
1: at. Yeah, that uh, it definitely appeals and looks that way online. I mean, and last night you were saying, too, like you're a big fan of the older equipment, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I went to a job
0: this morning. We've been on a few weeks. And we moved a lot of material on, and they got mostly all new equipment out there, but I started the job off clearing with the old dozers, you know, and it is always a funny reaction because people, you know, the, the superintendent on the job, he'll look at you and go, what's all this book?" Unless we're going to knock all these trees down with and pop stumps. And then we're going to sling some dirt in here, you know? So I always get a reaction out of the older equipment.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And you would, you totally would. And I see that online as well, too. People like commenting about the older equipment. Like you said, though, like I got some newer stuff and some older stuff and the older stuff works just as well, if not better.
0: Well, and it's a tool, each a tool for a separate job, you know, and, and I'm, I'm decent at working on the older stuff, too. Yeah, this new stuff today is, you know, I was telling young man that the other day, he, he was talking about an excavator is right three hundred grand, and I said, man, I, I don't see how you can afford that. He said, I can't. <laughs> it's it's too damn much. I said, well, you need to go buy you a thirty or sixty thousand dollar excavator. Do your best. And if you blow a line, fix it. You your, your cylinders leak, fix it. The motor goes out, you go pull it out, put a new one in, or rebuild it. You know, a lot of people's forgot you can replace but without replacing something.
1: Yeah. You know? No, a hundred percent. You're right. And it's interesting because you hear a lot of the other way of it, which is like, Hey, I'd rather make payments on something, you know, and, and, and then there's warranty or stuff, but you're like kind of the opposite. Well, I'd rather not make a payment on it. I'd rather just kind of fix it. That's
0: right. Yeah. I mean, I mean there's, there's times you do need payments on stuff, but I, you know, I, I prefer to handle our own deal and make our own destiny on that. Man. You know, I'm not going to overload my ass,
1: you know what I'm saying? So you started the business when you were younger. Like, how old were you? What, what was your upbringing? Like, what did your dad or your mom do? Did you go, get into this industry? I'm curious. Well, my mother was
0: always a home mom. And uh, my father, he was in the National Guard. And uh, he worked for Sears and Roebuck and Company for a long time. Uh, he was over the appliances. And then uh, he had a little form. So I always as a kid, you know, I played on the farm and, I think we had 150 acres. You know, it wasn't much, but we grew wheat and soybeans, and then got into rice and stuff like that. But it was never a big farm. But we enjoyed it, and and I think that molded me more than anything because I'd see my dad with a chainsaw, and I'm like, shit, I got to get a chainsaw. You know, they weren't going to let you have a chainsaw at four or five years old. I tell people all the time that you know they say, oh man, it was so hard growing up. You know, the our, our we had. Tractors with no cabs, and you'd work all day. And and at lunchtime, dad would bring you a can of ainies with no wrapper on it and an old Milwaukee beer that had no paint on the side. So you'd have something to put in your damn truck.
1: That's awesome.
0: We was in the middle of nowhere, you know. So if you didn't pick it up the store, generally the store was closed at four o'clock in the morning when we went by. And if you didn't pick it up the night before, it just was what it was. So you grew up in Arkansas then? Oh, yeah. So where, where are you from? You're from Pine Bluff, right? Yeah. We had a farm in Lone Oak, but we lived in Jacksonville. And then my grandfather passed away down here in 93. And I had a grandmother down here that she had to have help. And so that's kind of when I made the transition. I said, she had about 25, 30 cows and, you know, uh, 158 acres there on that little farm. And I just started coming down here and really helping her. And I didn't know anybody in the town. So as I started meeting more people, you know, and I remember looking at the mowing crews down here when I was young. I was like, damn, man, I, I want to be, you know, I want to have four riding lawnmower tractors, you know. And then when the zero turns come out, I think the first one, I tell, I got a book in my truck. I paid $7,078 for that, that zero turn. And uh, everybody told me I was crazy. They said, you've lost your damn mind. And then I started thinking I've lost my mind. And uh, within 30 days, I went and bought another. You know, and now we have a fleet of them, but we still run mowing crews, you know, to this day, big mowing crews. And, uh, um, it's just cash flow. Just when it rains and it's cold, you're still getting a check and nobody understands that. But cash flow is the only way to run a damn business. You know, I don't give a yet pressure wash or sell cheeseburgers at a lemonade stand. You've got to have cash flow guaranteed money.
1: Yeah, I could not speak more to that. You're 100% right, the cash flow. Anytime you you know you're talking to somebody that's actually doing it, they'll always mention the word cash flow because without cash flow, I mean, you're done, you're nothing. What age did you start buying these lawnmowers at?
0: The first one I bought was a craftsman, and I was probably about nine years old. It had a, I want to say it was a 12-horse Briggs and Stratton engine in it, and it had the little torque converter with a 36-inch deck, and, and I got the warranty on it. It was from Sears, and I remember the the guy's name was Hank, and he'd always come out and fix my lawnmower on a monthly basis or whatever. And I remember when I was probably a couple of years into being serious about it, Hank said, they're not going to fix your mower. no more. I said, I bought a five-year warranty, and they, they bucked on it, but they they kept fixing my lawnmower. But I, Sears and Roebuck never sold me another one with warranty on it.
1: So how did you kind of progress into like, okay, like, you know, like you said now, like you're doing a little more dirt work, but you have this landscaping company and you like, what's your business look like today? So like, how many people are you running and kind of what, like, what all aspects of the construction industry or landscape industry are you handling?
0: So mainly only large commercial. If there's a, a an old customer or something that needs something done, I'll do whatever we got to do to help them get it done. But we're built to do bigger stuff, you know? and so. Basically, with that being said, your overhead's so high you can't go rake a yard for two hundred dollars, and uh you can't do that, and you have to learn to say no you know and that's the hardest thing in the world is I don't know how many people watch this show, but it, I guarantee I'll tell you every one of them it's hard for you to say no to somebody, but when you can say no and not give an, an a reason for saying no, then you've accomplished everything you don't have to give an answer when you say you know what I'm saying don't follow it up and go the reason I can't do this is because of this just say no. That's hard to do.
1: Yeah, that's a really piece of important advice. You're 100% right on that. And
0: and the employees, you know, we range anywhere. It wouldn't go into the 20s to 30s, you know, and, and it, when you start adding sub drivers and all the, well, it, it it gets up there. So payroll's really tough.
1: That's where cash flow helps.
0: <laughs> uh, payroll and diesel fuel. So if you minimize your, your payments here, you already know payroll is way up here. And fuel, you know, everybody goes. Uh, well, do you know you don't complain about burning fuel? You know, a lot of diesel and gas. You know, for all our pickup trucks, I don't because when my fuel bill's high, my income's high. You know what I'm saying? The higher the fuel is, the happier I am. Yeah, you're right. When that bulk trucks pull up and fuel up, that,
1: man, mm-hmm. I'm happy. Yeah, it means means things are moving. If they're if you weren't getting fuel, it means nothing's moving out of the yard. That's right. We keep
0: GPS monitors on the mm-hmm. tanks, so. We actually have three different places we store fuel. And the reason I do that, I store a lot of fuel at the main shop. Then at the old shop, I keep fuel storage down there in case we run out of electricity or there's a storm or something. So we'll, we'll go down there and suck those tanks out as time goes on. We won't let it sit there in jail, but I always keep them full. you know. And then I got option three on fuel, and that's my farm down there. I'll keep tanks down there and gasoline and stuff for the farm, but it gives me three options.
1: One aspect of what you're doing is super interesting to me. And, you know, like last night, you were well, a couple of things, actually. The first thing that was really interesting was, you know, you were talking about, you know, like you, like you didn't go to college or university or anything like that. But here you are running a successful business.
0: And, and I, I have to give credit to the people that work there. I've always had really good people. I don't know how to answer an email. I never plan on answering a damn email. I'm just now starting to text people back. <laughs> Yeah. And I they made me get rid of my iPhone or my uh flip phone a few years ago. Holy. And I hate it because when you're on a machine, it's too heavy in your pocket, you know. But uh it's like you got a beer can in your pocket all day weighing you down. Well,
1: I texted you last night I said, Hey man, good talking to you, Save my number. I didn't get a response back. I was <laughs> like, Well, he's he's either falling off the lawn chair or he's just whatever.
0: <laughs> uh, after I got off phone with you, I went down to my fish camp, fished Till after dark,
1: you know. we gotta way. live life. Yeah,
0: they fish weren't biting, but I there was an older gentleman down there, and he needed help getting his boat up. So it was a good deal that I was there to help him get his boat back up, you know.
1: So what is it about social media, like how I found you? So like, take me through that. How does a guy like you that had a flip phone a couple of years ago go from that to on TikTok, which is a very you know, it's not, it's not new say, but it is, you know, like Instagram has been around for longer, you know, like how did you get posting on there? Like what made you want to do that? Or was it like, what happened there? Cause you found a lot of success. So the, the
0: guy I worked for as a kid, he was my mentor and he had a little farm and I helped him. It was actually a big farm. So I'd be over there working on daddy's farm and I'd see George over there working and i He had tractors with cabs and they were blowing black smoke. I was like, that's where I want to be over on that side of the fence, you know? So I'd see him at the grocery stores and whatnot. And I went to work for him and he taught me everything about money. You know, he taught me how to work on stuff. I mean, everything. You know, I was like his son, you know, even till the day he died a year and a half ago, but you don't find that anymore. I mean, nobody that could teach you from fuel to finance, to land purchases, any of that. And he taught me every every bit of that. And we were in the office after George died, and I kind of went through a little bit of depression there for a little while about it. And I, I thought we put a video of a tractor, and it progressed. So I, I, I really started it to teach people about antique tractors. That's my passion. And that evolved into the dirt. I, I never really planned on putting anything about my business on there, ever. And then people would see something in the background and say, Hey, talk about this or talk about that. And, you know, I don't brag about anything I got. I'm not a wealthy man. I'm not the smartest man. Damn sure I ain't the best fisherman. Cause hell, I've had three <laughs> fishing trips in a row, but, uh, you know, I enjoy interacting and in my office, you know, they'll show me all, you know, the comments and stuff. And I'll say, Hey, say this, you know, or say that. And so. I'm probably not the most interactive person on there, but I, I try to put a video out each morning if we have time. And I hope it helps everybody. You know, I'm not here to brag about anything I got and uh, don't say I'm better than anybody or any of that. I just say, Hey, if you're in this situation, do this. If you're in this situation, do that. And that's, that's the route I go with it.
1: Yeah. It's very apparent that you're doing it because you like, you just want to give people knowledge. And I think that that's super important. And it's really nice. I mean, like, like you said, like, it is hard to find people that want to mentor, you know, like your friends, sorry to hear that as well, you know, that you kind of looked up to and mentored a bit with, and it is interesting because, you know, my first video that I saw of you, you were uh, talking about, it was a dozer, dozer. You were walking around it. It was an, no, it was a newer one. It was a newer John Deere. That John Deere 450P. Exactly. I got an old, I have a 2001 John Deere 450H. Uh, so i think that's why i kind of was looking at it i'm like well this is interesting you're going around you're showing everything about it and the way that it attracted me was you weren't like you know this is this and this is that you're just you're just walking around it you're opening up the cubby and you're like i don't know what they got in here oh it looks like this okay cool and then you kept walking around it it was just so kind of informative and low-key and relaxed and i was like man i could listen to this guy talk all day (laughs) that's a new model john deere brought
0: it we kind of get the first thing that comes out, they'll send down to the shop. And if we want to buy it, we'll buy it. You know, uh, we didn't end up buying that dozer. Uh, It sold literally like that day. I never got to drive it or nothing. Uh But John Deere and Caterpillar has been really good to us. And Komatsu uh, Powers Equipment outrock Rock, that's the Komatsu dealer. I purchased a Komatsu from them two three years ago, a PC200. Hands down, the best track ever built.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. We had a 170, and they're they're a great machine. Lots of power, good on fuel.
0: They they swing easy. Everything works good on them. Matter of fact, I pulled all the cylinders off that one a month or two ago and sent them up. Had hydraulic company rebuild them. Hmm.
1: What's your What's your favorite aspect of what you get to do each day, kind of day in day out? Like, what's your role? I guess maybe like within the business. What are you doing every day? Ah, uh, so I don't get to
0: like run equipment like I used to. You know. I'm better at organizing than anything. I, I I tell people this all the time. I'm not great in the office, but I do have great office people. I'm not really that good at running a bulldozer. I got guys, young guys, that can finish great, running three, four mile an hour, And hell, I get out there. It looks like a damn motorcycle track, you know. But and I'm not that good on tracko. I get pissed off on tracko if tracks ain't level, you know, and it does that little teeter. I'm going to sit there and grind that track down. I'm going to lift that side and grind it down till I'm level. So i get in there and kind of get upset a little bit, you know. So I'm not good at running a lawnmower, to be honest with <laughs> you, those new mowers. I'm not, I don't even know if I could crank one, to be honest with you. But I'm damn good at making sure everybody goes to the right spot every morning. And I always tell them, first hour of the day is the most important. Let's get in here. And I try to clock everything every morning. we got a certain time frame where everything needs to be out into a job. And that's where I get involved. And then once I get everybody going the right direction and we've had our meeting, me and Big Trey, we have a meeting in the shop or in the office and I go to the jobs, to different jobs. And we have a two-way radio system that is one of the best. And that's how all the communication goes on all day long is through that two-way radio system.
1: Really? Tell me more about that. I'm interested.
0: So everything we own has a radio in it. If it's got a cab or if it's a pickup truck. a two Like two-way radio. Yeah. And so Big Trey has the base station. How far does it go? We're running a little more than half the state right now. I mean, I can be at my fish camp two hours away, and I can be in the woods where phones don't work, and it's kind of dangerous where I fish at because I, like, ride in 10 miles in my truck, and then I unload my ranger, and then I have to go winch for a damn hour to get to the fishing hole. And if you do get in there and something bad happens to you, I I can't get it. I can't make a phone call. I can't walk back to my truck and make a phone call, but I can get on that radio and I can damn sure get somebody to answer.
1: You know, that's wild. I remember when I was 18, I worked for a local company and they had two way radios as well, too. And I mean, that's kind of something you don't hear anymore. But honestly, I'm just thinking. It's an older style, but I, it's actually kind of makes sense. I mean, like we're all using cell phones. And if you don't like, we work at a lot of job sites. Same with you. We're out in the country where they don't have cell phone reception. That That is really interesting.
0: I got them at every, every one of my hunting camps. There's a damn base station. Yeah. And I can talk to, you know, I call the office and say, Hey, I ain't coming to work today.
1: You know, we're going fishing. If you're <laughs> just, and there's nothing wrong with that. So if you got, you know, some guys or girls out on a job site somewhere and, you know, they need something like, is that your form of communication? Like, Hey, they they use cell phones a lot, but there's a lot of times where eight to 10 people or
0: 20 people need to hear what's going on. If they say, Hey, I'm up here at the rock quarry and it's taking two hours to get loaded out. Hey, their trucks are, they're turning around. They're going to the next destination they need to be, you know, or we'll switch them over to cut or something. So it's very efficient. It's the most efficient tool you can have in a small
1: business. Well, wow, that is very interesting. I really like that. I'm, I'm contemplating get. What do you use? Like Motorola? Yeah, they're Motorola's. Yeah. So we and we have our own
0: tower. We installed our own tower and everything, so we don't pay a monthly fee or nothing.
1: Man, I need to come down to Arkansas and see this. That's hilarious. That's awesome. I mean, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Oh, it, yeah, and like you said, a lot of places don't have good service. You know. And a lot of people, they'll see our trucks with big whip antennas on them. And they go, the hell y'all got CVs for? <laughs> we do <have> no CBs. <laughs> But, you know, it's a that's another tool that's very effective.
1: Yeah, 100%. It was interesting when you're talking about kind of like your role in the mornings and stuff like that. Like, to be honest with you, you just seem like a great kind of, you know, leader. Like, do you see yourself like... Although you're not running the machinery or you're not in the office, I mean, that's kind of like my role more so, too. I'm not an office guy. I'm out on, on site. In the office, they joke and they call me the site guy um, because, like, if there's a missing piece of the puzzle, that's kind of where I fit in. Like, okay, our our tractor tra- tra- tractor trailer driver is gone today. Taylor, hop in. We need a load of blast rock over to here. Hop in here. Okay, get in the dozer now and do that. And, like, I could do it, but I'm not the best at it. <laughs> But I also try to make sure you know you're like leading the crew and and every, you know morale and culture like is that all stuff that you're kind of thinking about as well too? Yeah, so
0: uh the crews, each one of them's a leader. There's there's that one leader in the truck and he's building three or four more. Okay, and so you it, you're constantly cultivating this new leader. You don't know who it's going to be. You know, it's like having a bird dog. A good bird dog is born no different than a good leader, but they have to have training too. They have to watch others to. Be on point
1: it's a great analogy though it's true and like you said you had a good point where you're like you know it's 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 not like saying like leaders aren't born you know they're raised now think, yeah you got to give somebody the tools to succeed before they actually succeed and i think that that's kind of what you were saying is it's just super important to kind of shape them into into that what kind of characteristics do you think it makes makes a good leader like what are some things that you're looking at or you're thinking of yourself like Okay, like I got to lead this crew, you know. I got to make sure everyone's safe and
0: regiment, discipline, just everyday routine that builds crews. So if we can run hard for two or three weeks on jobs, going good weather, and you give me three rain days, it'll take us three days after that to get everybody, you know, get all the trucks back in rhythm, and you know, it just you have to be every day. If you're that guy that goes, well, I'm going to run this other company, and I, but I'm going to be at this one two days a week. If if you already got that mindset, you might as well just go fishing or do something different, you know. And, you know, everybody that works with me, if I'm not hunting or fishing, I'm at that damn office from sometimes four o'clock till just whenever I I, I feel like leaving, you know. But I won't leave until I feel comfortable about everything. You gotta have good people. And I'll tell y'all this, for everybody's listening, yeah and y'all all want new dozers and trackos and dump trucks. If you don't invest in your employees, you can kiss that goodbye because it'll be trashed. And you go to any of my jobs, there's a little broom or a paintbrush because I'm kind of cheap like that. I'll buy those big paintbrushes for a dollar and stick it. But they sweep their cabs out two or three times a day. They clean their windows. We check all the fluids. We tighten tracks. We dig out tracks. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times we don't. But if it's a rain day, if there's an opportunity, we're in them damn shops working. And it's a good day for everybody to bond. You know, you get 20, 30 people in a shop working. They're all bonding and learning from each other and learning about each other because they might not have ever got to work with that, you know, other person.
1: That's a really good point. You're right. I mean, you know, and it's, I I think as well, too, because we're a small, medium-sized business as well, too. You know, like you could go in any of our excavators right now. And I believe we don't have an excavator operator over the age of 23. They're all young guys. Yeah, Yeah. And you go in there right now and they're all wearing sock feet. Their boots are sitting on a mat, right? Like they they got their work boots, but they're on a mat beside the pedals and they're in sock feet. And those cabs are squeaky clean. That's impressive. Yeah. This is how we run it, you know? And I'm not saying not every single machine, but all of our excavator operators. And then, then they kind of get it in between them. Like who's as clean or who's not our dump truck drivers. We hired our first female truck driver a month ago now. And I moved it. We took a company photo the other day. I got in the truck real quick moved it i got out she's like you were in my friggin truck and i'm like what do you mean and she's like there's there's boot marks on it and she keeps that truck spotless so you're 100% right and i think it's easier when you have a smaller medium-sized business but as you grow larger and get larger pieces you know you'll need to fill the seats with people that necessarily you know won't want to care just as much but it's it's nice
0: and you're seeing more females getting into this industry whether it be in in the office or being in the estimating, or being in the in the actual equipment, you're seeing a lot more of that. It's very impressive because a lot of people back in the old days would say, oh, female can't run this bulldozer. I see them running on better than the grown men.
1: Well, you'd want to know something impressive. The girl dunk, show, she was the first one when like, okay, the loader operator in our yard, he wasn't there to load topsoil. She hopped right out, got in that loader, loaded herself. She figured it out. There was a couple d- uh, days where her truck was down and much like you, rather than have you guys sit at home and not pay you, come on in. I'll figure out something for you. She goes, well, I'd really love to learn how to run a bulldozer. So I said, perfect. We got to move dirt in our yard, hop in it. She loved it. And then this morning she texted me. She's like, Hey, if there's any other responsibilities, extra responsibilities around, you know, a company that I could pick up on, I'd love that. And I'm like, and I need more of that. You know, Yeah, that's, well, that's, that's a great employee. Well, and, and, and going back to the employees, this,
0: as you're progressing through the years, you know, there's going to be family deaths, you know, a father or or a mother or a brother or sister or an employee. And my opinion is you always take food to their house. And, you know, we just had a deal the other day. And if they can't pay for the funeral or whatever, you do everything you can to help them with that or raise the money for them. You know, these people, they dedicate their life to you. You know what I'm saying? To helping you. And they could go somewhere else and work and whatnot, but they give you 110%. And, and if you always give them 110%, like one of my pet peeves is people coming in the office and they'll say, hey, my daughter has daddy donut day or something like that. Do you mind if I take off tomorrow, come in at nine or 10? I'm like, yeah, do it. That's cool, dude. You know, yeah, what's that going to cost me? A couple loads of dirt. Who gives it?" And there's days people that say, hey, my wife's working late. I got to go pick the kids up. You got to be able to adjust to that because if you can't, they're going somewhere
1: else. No, you're 100 percent right. It's all stuff that I see now as well, too. Like you're you're right. Yeah, you're you're dead on. You gotta treat it like, you know, they got lives as well, too. So you gotta have that kind of work-life balance. Yeah. Because in the long run, it'll end up helping your company and help you way more. And they'll help them because they'll want to work with you. They'll want to work there because they're they know that you're accommodating. So they like that. And they, they build your company for you. I mean, they help you. Exactly. When you said earlier, I was asking about, you know, what makes a good leader. And one thing that you put in there is discipline. And uh, one thing that I'm really interested in, because you deal with it too, you know, like maybe someone kind of did something pretty stupid, you know, and and, and you know, maybe that person's not the type of person that you can go up to. Like how I was raised, I was raised, you know, like you get a swift kick to the ass. And like you did something stupid, you know, but again, different world, different times. Can't t- like, how do you handle discipline in your companies or HR or do you handle that? And then if you do, how?
0: So if it's something petty, like let's say you're an hour late. Okay. That's going to happen all the time. I mean, that's just part of it. You just make sure you reminded them they were an hour late. So how hey, you held a crew up for an hour. And uh, as far as like discipline them his crew has to sit there and clean the shop and sweep for an hour. You know what I'm saying? Or have their stuff more prepared. So it's not always hurting you that bad, but you you have to voice your anytime. And like, oh, windows get broke or just, man, I, I, it happens to me every day. So I've been able to channel a lot of that away from being pissed off. I just, it happens. You know, we're making good money. We can pay for that hundred dollar part or thousand dollar part or whatever and if you can't get that mindset you can't do this anymore you know a lot of these young guys my biggest thing on tiktok taylor is young guys saying trey i'm wanting to go work for myself you know and i don't know if you've ever seen videos on that so that's the main thing i get and how can i be successful i can't tell them how to be successful i don't know their work history or any of that or their finances but you know, I try to give them advice—the best advice that I could give somebody in that position. And I like those comments when people ask me stuff like that.
1: Yeah, well, it's good because I feel like you got a lot to knowledge to kind of give with that. You know, like being raised the way you were raised and starting things how you kind of started them. What would be then if 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 I was somebody that was like, hey, you know, Trey, I want to start a business. What what advice would you give somebody?
0: But you know. These are young guys, and so they're seeing other people successful on social media now that we didn't see when we were kids. You know what I'm saying? So as a young guy starting in the business, I would say find a mentor. Go work for somebody for two or three years. Make sure it's something you want to do, you want to invest your life in. And if you feel like that's a good investment for your life, go 110%. You know, you're going to, you're going to go, you go 110%.
1: Yeah. It's about working really, working hard and and kind of putting in that work, you know?
0: And work smart. You got to work smart. You know, I've made a lot of bad decisions and I should have sent this truck here, this or that. And I look back at the end of the day and go, hey, you really messed that one
1: up, you know? Do you have one kind of like event that was a really good, you know, lesson learned that you'd like to share, you know, kind of one of the, one of the bad things, right? Yeah. I haul gravel on a big job all in summer. Hell, it was
0: 14,000 tons. It was 67 miles, one way. And uh I had trucks scattered all across South Arkansas trying to get this job done. And when I bid it, uh, one of my mentors, he told me, he said he was old dirt contractor. He passed away, but he was giving me his estimate on the compaction rate on that B Two. And I said, I got to get this job. I'm going to lose this job if I don't. So I wanted to go ahead and shave like $4 a ton, you know. Well, that $4 a ton made the difference in making money and not making money. And then we had a bunch of rain and it had gullies washed in it. I'd have to replace the gravel waiting on asphalt guys. But after it was said and done, I told him, I said, man, I lost $30,000, $40,000 on working all summer. And he looked at me, he goes, I bet you won't do that again. And that's the best advice I could give anybody is learn from your mistakes because you're going to make them every day. Yeah. that You look at the man hours. If you add up all your man hours throughout, a, let's say, a, a 300 work days out of the year or whatever, 250, you got a lot of work hours in there and there's going to be a lot of mistakes and you can't shortstop them. I mean, they're going to happen. So that's probably the best advice I can give is that if that mistake costs you $40,000, you learn. It costs you $40,000 to learn that mistake. You know, I know a lot of people drive down the road, listen to this or whatnot, they're thinking, well, I don't I'm not going to make a $40,000 mistake. <laughs> it's inevitable if you're going to work for yourself. You're going to make a lot of mistakes and you got a man up to them. You can't go have a pity party and go, oh, you know, I, daddy, I made a mistake. You know, that ain't
1: going to work. Yeah. What, what do you think uh, defines uh, success? What does success mean in your words?
0: I've never called myself successful, never will, but, um, if I had to say success, would probably be uh, a good man that raised his family, you know, and did everything right. Uh, that's success. All this other equipment, and land and cool stuff. It's, I think in the end, when we get old, we'll realize, hey, you know, I should have spent more time doing this or that. That's a successful
1: man. I would agree with that. Nothing kind of about money, but I feel like you know, it's very important to take care of your family and take care of the people that work for you as well too. Yeah, That to me is, you know, being successful is, you know, every week when they get paid, hey, they're getting paid on time and, and you know, I might not get paid yeah. that week, but everybody yeah. else is. So that, that that's the way she goes. I have
0: a lot of people come up to me that I hadn't seen in 10 or 15 years and say, man, I appreciate you, you did this for my dad or, you know, this for my grandparents or whatever. And it could be something as simple as changing a tire. You know, that was one of my worst things is if I seen somebody out with a flat tire, I had to stop and fix that flat tire for them or change it, you know. And now I have a rule. I will still do that. But if you're pulling a bass boat and I'm working, I ain't stopping and helping. you.
1: What's the thing you were telling me about the antique tractors and, and raising some money or doing some stuff that like, what was that all about? I collect the antique tractors
0: and uh we do one show a year at our farm. And people come from all over they bring tractors too so it's like a carnival I mean, if you had to picture it in your mind i mean it's a lot of vendors and I and mean, it's for make-a-wish foundation and we did really good raising money for them last year and this next year is going to be more successful than that but i just love antique tractors you know and they're a lot of work a lot of work keeping them up and finding the i used to Pick any antique tractor and go throw a lot of money into it. Now I go after serial numbers and lower,
1: you know, lower serial numbers, low production, more rare ones. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's a guy up here, uh, you know, Tuckerberry, and you go in there and everything's red. You know, what what's your brand? Anything I want. Anything.
0: Deer mccormick Molins Case. If it had to do with something with rice back in the old days, that's what I want. One day, ultimately. I would like to have a museum. Rice. Yeah. So everything, a lot of them run off butane. They got the huge tire, rice and cane tires on them, wide front. ends. That's what I like. Butane. Mm-hmm. LP, LP. Oh, we did a video on that. I've, I've called them butane burners since I was a kid. Liquid propane? Liquid propane. But uh in the South, everybody it, <laughs> that one video got almost a million views because I said the word butane. And everybody in the world said, oh, that old redneck. He called it butane is propane, and then they would type out 82 words about how I didn't
1: know what I was talking about, you know, <laughs> and I, I loved it. I thought it was great. So do you have a barn full of some antique tractors or do you buy and sell or? I don't really ever sell really. It's more buying, you know, I'll swap <laughs> a tractor, you know, if I want somebody. So you got You have a collection. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, actually, behind me here, that's my favorite brand. I got a, I love Cockshut. They're yep. Canadian made tractor. Love, love them. Don't have a
0: lot around here. Versatiles were big in the rice back in the old days around here.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, the old 800s and 850s and the 900s and the triple nickels. You know, that was big stuff down, you know, in the South, the versatiles. And they're not as popular today as what they were. But man, when I was a kid, if you didn't have a versatile, you didn't have a tractor. We had some staggers. What colors are versatile? Uh, red. Red, okay. Yeah. It comes out of Canada. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm I, I might. i I'm probably wrong on this, but Manitoba or something like that. Canada, oh, yeah. I can be totally wrong on that, but I
1: didn't have time. You were at uh, Con Expo 23. What'd you think? That was the best show I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> it was a good time? Oh, yeah. I well, just, you're still wearing the hat,
0: so, geez, you must have liked it. Oh, yeah. Pro 4 was making the little hats, and, and yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great, to just see all that you know i don't ever go do anything and this year big Trey was like we need to go out there and all these people from tiktok kept messaging saying are you going to Connex?" you know and so we made a decision we said all right we're on jump in the car and drive out there <laughs> you drove drove. i'd never seen the country before so i wanted to see it yeah hey, we might as well do something cool
1: oh like you like do you travel a lot Do you ever get out no we're just flying around that's about
0: it <laughs> not not in a car i wanted to see the grand canyon
1: nice how long did it take you
0: 20 something hours (laughs) pretty damn good trip you know but we got to see some beautiful stuff and vegas i love vegas that was the second time i'd ever been to vegas and uh, i'm not on gamble and uh i enjoyed vegas i didn't like walking that much they ought to give somebody like me a mandatory little electric scooter to ride around you know
1: what (laughs) I hear you there, man, for <laughs> sure. I'm not a gambler either, but I'm a drinker and I like construction. So the two went uh, really well together.
0: All those little tables with the beers on? Them?
1: Yeah. Oh, we were smashing them. Yeah. It was, it a good was time. great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the people's the best part. You know, like I oh, love they're... seeing everything, but just seeing the people, it was just so cool. Well, and that was my
0: first experience ever being somewhere and people recognizing me, you know. And that was, uh, I told Big Trey and them they'd stop watching watch the game day four. And I said, hey, when we take off walking, it probably takes two hours to get down this hallway. And once one stops, she wants a picture. It's in its own. Everybody going to stop and get a picture. Even if they don't even know you, they're like, yeah. let this get guy's a getting a picture.
1: I got to <laughs> yeah. get one. Let me
0: get a picture with this old redneck boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, ho- I hope that you're going to be there in 2026, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, uh, That'd be awesome to see you there. I know it sounds like it's super far away, but it's definitely not. It creeps up quick. Time time moves super fast. And uh, I hope that you keep going on TikTok. Like I said, I want to see more stuff on Instagram from you as well too. So you got to tell somebody in the office start start posting your
0: Do we do a bunch on Instagram?
1: Are we are you on Instagram as well? A little
0: bit. Yeah, we don't we don't do a lot of social media, you know.
1: Well, you you're nailing it and I think that it, you're really onto something with yourself. You've opened up a whole other thing. I
0: don't even know how Instagram works, like it's you just put pictures on. Me. <laughs> <laughs> that's so wild!
1: Oh man, uh, dude Trey, thanks for coming on today, man. Oh, it's been great. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I, I got your number now. I'm gonna text you, and whether you respond or not, that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd love to come down and and, and uh, you know see what's going you got going down there. But thanks for taking time oh, yeah today.
0: And I want to get one last piece of advice to all the guys out there, girls, whoever. If we're going to go on through this life, let's just pop the wheelie and ride it on through
1: because everybody will notice you. I like that. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Kamatsu. Trey, thank you. Everybody, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, brother.